0: Chamber Spaces
1: This is working now. Usually spaces have a bit some issues sometimes. But can people in the audience throw up some emojis if, if my audio is all clear and if you guys can hear me right now? Amazing. Thank you, Arthur. So hello, everybody. We waited for about five minutes for people to start showing up in the space so we can start um, so, so we can get people in so they don't miss anything. Um, this will be recorded as well. But I want to thank everybody who's here right now and the people who are listening back to this for, be, for being here. Um, my name is David, I'm the community manager here at Trillitech, and today I'm here to host an AMA with Arthur. So, Arthur, why don't you say hi, introduce yourself. I'm assuming all people already know who you are, but it's, it's good to say hi.
2: Hi, uh, I'm Arthur Breitman, I'm a co-founder of Tezos, uh, and I must apologize, I, um, I came down with a flu yesterday. So, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, li- I'm going to sound a little sick, uh, but uh, I'll do my best to answer the questions regardless.
1: Amazing. Thank you. So over the past day, um, I have gathered questions from Twitter, Discord, Telegram under hashtag Tesla's AMA. Uh, and uh, we've gathered them. And now I'm here to ask them to Arthur live for, for all of you. So the, the first thing I want to talk about, Arthur, is that the Tesla Foundation last Friday released a statement on, on what's, ha- what has going, what's been going on in 2023 this year uh, and also their plans yeah. for 2024. So, can you share what changes the community should expect from the Tesla's Foundation in in twenty twenty four regarding that statement?
2: I mean, um, there's a couple of things in that statement. Um, specifically, when I joined the board of the Tesla Foundation in twenty twenty one, it was a it was a boom. Um, you know, it, it was a boom time. It was the beginning of, of, of a raging bull market in uh, in twenty twenty one, and unfortunately, um, we had accumulated years and years of, uh, of dysfunction around, you know, the, around several um, parts of the ecosystem. Uh, but, it, you know, it also coincided with a time where the the, the balance sheet of the foundation just like, um, became uh, very large and there was a desire to do something, do something quickly, even without necessarily the structure in place to uh, uh, to do things. When the bear market turned uh, and that's starting around like March of and April of 2022, uh, the strategy shifted towards uh, more cost rationalization. But I would say that this only really kicked into gear at the beginning of uh, 2023. And you know the the foundation has from some, somewhere between like 500 million and 600 million in assets, and so it's not you know it, it's not running out of money by any means. But um, it is very important to use the funds in a manner that's very effective. And as opposed, you know, I would say the the, the thinking in 2021 was, it, it will this help the ecosystem? Yes. Like there was there was a risk basically of. Uh, the ecosystem faltering, and the foundation having a bunch of money and not actually deploying it. Uh, unfortunately, that strategy you know, I, 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 that strategy didn't, didn't work. And so now the foundation is far more focused on cost efficiency. It's not just a matter of saying like, is this thing useful? You know, is this thing a net positive? But rather, um, what is the ROI on this? What is the actual impact on uh, on on this spend? And looking carefully at uh, at cost. And I don't think it precludes a situation where the foundation would spend more aggressively, but I would say this would only happen if there's a proven pass between the spending and the outcome. Like if and when we have something like this, there's a possibility of deploying funds more aggressively. But I think so far we don't. Um, And until such a time as we do, um, it's best to be conservative and to do the things that historically uh, we do best there was also um so that, that that was the part I would say that the main part of the blog post was what was around this. And you know, sometimes you'll see initiatives which are defunded, which are like which which can be net positive as initiatives, but where the ROI sometimes is not there, they can be very costly. Um in terms of communication as well, I would say that the TensorFlow Foundation has lacked basically a communication department for a couple of years now. It's um, it's been very hard to uh, uh, to find the right tone in uh, in communications, and but that's changing. Uh, and there's a lot more uh, communication like blog posts, tweets coming out of the uh, TensorFlow Foundation, and we should expect a lot more of that uh, in 2024.
1: Amazing. Thank you, Arthur. Um, let's get right into the AMA part of this. So the, the first question comes from the halfsoul.test. Although maybe not a priority, could dynamic baking rights be, be a feasible option to stop mass over-delegation by large exchange bakers, which could potentially hurt decentralization, or is there a better solution?
2: Um, I'm not super familiar with the problem, but I assume that what's going on is exchanges by default delegate to their bakers and then they don't really bother putting enough of a bond. So they're actually leaving money on the table. Uh, But as a result, you know, without having much of a bond, they still have a lot of voting power. Uh, Dynamic baking rights probably would be to not allocate baking rights to baker who are over delegated. Everything that we do... uh, like takes times and resources. So yes, we can start, we, we, we could work on those things and anyone could work on those thing and submit a patch actually, uh, but we have to prioritize. And if I have to say, you know, is this more important to do this and to do latency reduction to ship the data availability layer and all of that, probably not because this is, and some things are easy to implement. This is a bit tricky to implement. It doesn't necessarily work very well with light clients because for a good light client, you want to be, you want the set of bakers to be very predictable and not you know, change um, change very quickly, um, and also you know if you're looking at uh, proposals like at issue issuance, they they essentially like some, somewhat get rid of the um, uh, of the over-delegation, uh, uh problem in the uh, in the first place. So I would look forward to uh, to things like that. There's um, I actually wrote a document recently. I, um, I, I'll clean it up and share it publicly. Which is it's a list of changes in the L1 that if i woke up tomorrow and they were implemented it would be a good thing but it's not necessarily worth doing uh, because of the time and resources it would take uh and there's some interesting ideas in there and you know i i, I might put that in there but it's probably the uh, you know pro- probably the effort that it would require to change this compared to the, to the benefit would be small especially since um exchanges typically don't vote anyway i would say like a better point of impact would be to ensure that people actually do not have as many assets on exchanges and uh, take self-custody. I think that's important uh, while recognizing that you know it's not for everyone and also uh, ensuring that um, we'll, I, I, there's probably, I would say, the issues around exchanges right now are not decentralization. They're more around quorum. And I think revisiting quorums for uh, voting might be, uh, might be necessary. We've been pretty close to missing quorums um, in the past couple proposals It's getting to be a bit of an issue. I don't think exchanges can't vote. It was a good example of uh, Algorand forcing exchanges to vote the Algorand protocol, forcing that, and Coinbase deciding that they were going to vote based on this. So it's not impossible uh, to make it happen.
1: All right. Thank you so much. The next question okay. comes from CCDDBB, who asks would the Tessels foundation consider creating a DAO to support art on Tessels and synergy with the ex- already existing and thriving community?
2: So there's a proto-DAO that exists on Unchained, uh, on, on the ecosystem DAO. Um, I don't know that there needs to be a separate uh, uh, DAO to support the article system. I think the same can be used. I say a proto DAO because right now it's uh, you know it's uh, it's a multi sig and it, it can definitely be improved. The simplest way to improve it would be to upgrade a smart contract uh, to have bakers be able to override the multi sig. Uh, I, I, w- I would love if someone came up with a proposal um, to do that with some code to uh, uh, to do it. And you know the funds in it are modest, but I think the funds in it could be larger if it demonstrates uh, success over time in uh, in funding uh, uh, those uh, those initiatives.
1: All right, amazing. The the next question comes from Violet Bond, who asks, why are the community slash marketing slash art team of Trilex so inactive and unknown to the Tesla's community here? Assuming that's on Twitter, <laughs> we need more information coming into the ecosystem.
2: Yeah. So, and I see also part of this question saying like Trilitech is just a thousand followers. Originally, it's been always very important to me to really drive home the distinction between Tezos, the blockchain, and the various entities at the periphery, which are involved in the Tezos ecosystem. These are the Tezos Foundation, Tech, Nomadic Labs, CZAPAC. Um, and uh, Tezos comments, all others, they are not Tezos, Tezos is Tezos, the blockchain. When it comes to communication, the first strategy that they suggested to me was that essentially all communications would be done by the handles of the respective entity. So you would have, you know, Nomadic Lab would communicate about what Nomadic Lab is doing through the Nomadic handle and Trade Tech would um, communicate over it through the Trade Tech handle and so on and so forth with the, uh, uh, and the Tezos Foundation to so Tezos Foundation handle. That's the thing that makes sense. There was a lot of criticism of that approach. Um, it was not effective because people had to follow multiple accounts. They were confused. We had most people following the Tezos handle on Twitter. And if you take the pragmatic view of pushing information and communication to as many people as possible, it's useful to use things like the Tezos handle, for example, or the Tezos channel. On YouTube. So it's not that people at Nomadic Labs, at this was foundation or um, um, or Trilitech are not active. Um, it's just that it's not Trilitech branded. There was not a strong desire to brand to the like Trilitech branded communication um because there's no point it should be about should not be about trade tech should not be about monomatic lab it should be about tezos but um generally speaking i would say the TradeTech staff um, is actively looking uh, to find better ways to engage with the community so um if you've seen in the last three months there's been about 25 uh uh, different community calls and six months ago they weren't any done from uh, within trade tech so that's increasing a lot and from what i know um i think there's a further increase in 2024 uh but Primarily, I would say community managers should be the primary conduits between the various experts in various ecosystem entities and the wider uh, community. So there's a social media and PR team, and they've been focused on driving um, other areas which are of interest to the community, uh, specifically increasing uh, PR awareness with journalists, more regular social posting, among those things. Um, as for Arts, there's a dedicated community uh, managers, uh, and you know, uh, he has been active in the community for years. Uh, and you know suggestions on what you want to hear about CR's vertical, and uh, uh, like you should make directly the request to uh, uh, to him, and he'll uh, pass it along.
1: Thank you so much, Arthur. Um, th- the next question comes from Tezos Caveman, who asks: Have you thought about the timeline for when L1, for when the L1 crystallizes into its final-ish form, and core updates become more rare? Is it five years, 20 years, or 100 years? How does your estimate compare with your expectations when initially developing? Did it get longer or shorter?
2: That's a great question. Um, And definitely longer than when I started developing. But, and it's not a binary event. Um, I would say that they're going to become more rare and more rare. And in fact, they already have. I don't foresee a lot of major changes on L1. I have like uh I have a wish list for 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 L1 and what I'd like to uh, to to fix but especially with the uh um, the Tezos 2.0 roadmap the, the the idea is to to move most of the development inside of a uh, a big canonical rollup and to have the L1 focus on what it does best which is settlements consensus staking and little else and as a result what you will see the you know we it's less relevant to put features into the virtual machines or features into the L1. Um, in fact, if anything, the L1 might, might might become simpler over time. So the main thing I think about when I think about work on the L1 today are latency reduction, which uh, matters even with uh, it, even with layer two solutions. The data availability layer, uh, the sharding uh, aspect of that, that's very important, and. Um, and perhaps work on um, the staking and uh, the, econo- you know, the, the, the economics of, uh, of staking uh, around adaptive issue ones. And that's mostly it. There's a couple more things we could add, uh, stateless clients, for example. But again, if most of your state is an L2 state, it doesn't matter as much. So those are really the three, um, the three big ones. So to answer the question, I would say it's more of an horizon of five years. Uh, to a large extent, I would say most of the problems of the known technical problems that existed uh, in the blockchain space, in some sense, I feel have been, have been solved.
1: Thank you so much. The, the next question comes from 42Waves who asks, what lessons are TrilliTech slash the Tesla's foundation learning from Solana's recent, recent success? They've partnered with Coinbase, sold out their Saga phones and are now sixth on CMC. This is the level I hope Pesos would be at by now.
2: Um, well, there's definitely a lot to learn by looking at the success of, uh, of Solana. They are things that cannot be replicated. For example, we cannot replicate being propped up by a billion dollar criminal operation, uh, but they are the things that we can. Uh, I think they were very effective at developer acquisition early on. They've been very effective in their VC relationship, but that's hard to replicate because it, it boils down to a lot of the solar net the floats being held by uh, uh by vcs so we can't do a lot of those things but there's still a lot to learn uh but it's hard uh, a lot of it is opaque you don't really see the operation and i i don't think you know solana's blockchain so i don't think either the solana foundation or solana labs partnered with coinbase i just think that they have a lot of traction, and naturally coinbase is going to capitalize on that traction by these things tokens and doing all those things i don't i don't i mean I, I could be wrong but i don't think it has to be like some some sort of explicit uh partnership and you know again you know with if, if if we go to Coinbase today and say hey you should do uh, all of this on Tezos. Uh, They're going to say, come back, come back later, come back when you have more activity, come back when you have more traction. So it's not like you can just um, replicate this directly. In terms of the Saga phone being sold out, I mean, the Saga phone was a complete flop. They lucked out because there's a meme coin called Bonk, uh, which suddenly shot up out of nowhere. And it it turned out that you could get $700 worth of Bonk coin by buying the phone uh, as opposed to, uh, and, and the phone cost $600. And before someone says, well, you don't get it, that's the DJ economy, that's how the whole space works. Yeah, but you can't engineer that. Like you can't just create a phone, um, airdrop some random token and, and hope that somehow among hundreds of meme coin, this one in particular, is going to, uh, uh, to pop up. So I, I don't think you can really credit that. I would say like Exante making the phone was a strategic mistake and Expost, they lucked out with Bonk. Yes, I too hope that Tezos would be at the level as Solana is, but there's something to remember, which is that Solana shipped uh, a pretty good product from a technical perspective. They had very high throughput, they had very low latency, they had very crappy uh, resiliency though when they uh, when, when they first launched. But that's a that's that's a market proposal and too often people in the Tezos community, they I would say don't appreciate the fact that uh, for, for Tezos to be competitive, there's still quite a bit of work to do, I would say, on on a core development. Uh, like that's quite important if we want to be able to compete with uh, with, with those blockchains. Um, the throughput has increased tremendously since 2021. Uh, it would say it's around a thousand TPS on, on, the, on the main nets and you know, 1 million uh, TPS we demonstrated with several rollups in parallel, but fundamentally it's, you know, it's, it's still not at the same levels of latency, for example, or, uh, or simplicity. So there's quite a bit to learn, uh, I would say, in terms of the product itself and the market offering of the product. But to a large extent, you know, these things are these things are circular. Uh, it's absolutely nuts to me that I remember I read Twitter uh, a few months ago everyone is like, oh, Ethereum is so obviously dominant. Look, everyone is going to move to become an L2 of Ethereum and Ethereum obviously has it. And the future is obviously dominated by Ethereum. And you look a month later and everyone is like, oh, Ethereum has lost its way. And Solana is going to flip Ethereum and it's all about Solana. And that's ridiculous. This thing doesn't change in a month. The only thing that happened is like the price of one rose a lot. And that's that's primarily what fuels this. The price rises, people get excited and they make up narratives which justify more momentum trading. That's largely what's going on. It's not anything fundamental about Solana. These things are based on vibes and narrative to a large extent. Not only I would say there's a good product at the core of it that, that, that's quite important and shouldn't be forgotten and there's been good execution, but it, a lot of it is just very reflective as well.
1: Thank you for that, Arthur. The, the next com- question comes from Ogui, or Ogui w- who says, epoxy rollups in parentheses CK rollups were not developed further. If I recall correctly, I think it was a block called Nomadic Labs, but it was suggested to include va- validity tech as a feature of the smart rollup itself. Is there any further development on this?
2: So the reason epoxy rollups were not further developed is that fundamentally, and even though they are quite competitive with a lot of um, the zk solution out there fundamentally zk roll up technology is not competitive with optimistic roll-up technology um optimistic roll-up has more complexity around reputation game it's tricky to get it right um, i think we did and very few people have you know optimism doesn't even bother with them it's purely trusted um and in terms of the throughputs that you can get, in terms of the cost that you can get with Optimistic Rollup it's just far ahead of what you can do with, with ZK Rollups. And I love ZK Rollup. I first proposed scaling with ZK Rollup in 2017. In a, uh, it's one of my most popular blog posts. So I'm I, I get. i I'm also a, like early um, angel investor in uh, in, in, in StarQuery. So I get it. I, I get the value of ZK Rollup. I just don't think they're competitive as a solution. And it's a bit of a contrarian play when everyone is focusing on, you know, this um, um, ZK Sync and all of that to to not really um, pull down in this direction. Yes, there was an idea for using in smart rollups, so optimizing rollups, um, ZK Tech. There's a few things you can do. One is you can eliminate repetition game by only computing a proof if and when you have uh, a challenge, but It doesn't really help you all that much you still have a very you still have a lot of latency to prevent censorship uh, when you want to do withdrawal you still have all the complexity of building a circuit like it, it gives you the performance but you also need to maintain a park of computers that's capable of computing a very complex proof once in a while the other thing you can do is you can replace your virtual machine your proof carrying virtual machine with a zk uh proof essentially saying proving just a single step of the optimistic rollup, as opposed to posting all the data and and having it replayed on a chain. The benefit of that is that if you want to support not just WASM, but RISC or other type of VM, once you do this with zero knowledge, all you need is a new circuit and you don't need to modify much uh, at the L1 level. So it gives you more flexibility, but there's quite a bit of complexity and today it's not a priority. Thank you, Arthur.
1: The next question comes from Aaron V who says, Trying to be a blockchain for everyone doesn't seem to be winning folks over to Tez, as interoperability, NIRs, and blockchains define their main roles in the multi-chain world. Is there a foundational use case Tezos is going to define or remain in general use?
2: I mean, you're completely right in terms of where the narratives are and, and where like, how maybe VCs are thinking and how people are thinking about this space. But I think it's completely wrong. Like I don't... I don't believe at all in a future where you have a ton of chains talking to each other and interoperating with each other. And the reason is that bridges are expensive, bridges are brittle, bridges break. Um, and I share the point of view of Vitalik on this. He has a great blog post about uh, about this as well. I don't think the future is, I don't think anyone, you know, be it on Tezos or Ethereum is going to go and get their data availability layer from some other chain, uh, trying to add a brittle bridge when they could have the same integrated in one chain. So. In terms of narrative, I suppose saying like, oh, Pez is going to be the blockchain for this type of like this part of the stack. Uh, it could play, but I also don't want to be disingenuous and I, I don't believe in this at all. I I, I I believe in vertical integration. I believe essentially you have a blockchain that offers you all of these aspects and that creates a much better product. Than if you had fragmentation. So I, I don't believe in this fragmentation thesis. I think the fragmentation thesis is convenient because it allows people to sell a bunch of tokens for different things they don't really need tokens. Um, there's a different type of uh, there's a different type though, of uh, of specialization that you can take, which is not a specialization in terms of technology, but which is specialization in terms of vertical. Saying like, well, you know, maybe the technology itself is um, is common. Uh, the technology itself is generic but the applications are not because fundamentally a lot of the mode that you built is around network effects and uh, network effects at the application and user level and so focusing on a few verticals is one way to to do that and that i that i completely agree with i think ultimately the end game is you want to be a blockchain for everyone but initially you don't have to be you can focus on areas which are which have good product market fit and which are very promising. Now we have some of those areas on uh on, on Tezos. I, I think we need more than one. I don't think we can survive with just one. Clearly, the one where Tezos has the most traction is um the art community by far. Uh and that's you know an extremely valuable part of our uh of our ecosystem. It's a it's um it's overall globally a small community and the chain needs to be, the chain needs to be bigger. So culture is another, um, is a generalization of this, arts and culture, you can grow a little uh, beyond art, but I would say most, the success of most collectibles has been either in the gaming space or in the art space. Uh, gaming is another one. I would say that games have been the first ones to use digital assets before blockchains we were a thing. It's a natural use case. Uh, we were very early to it, but we didn't execute well. And now the cat's out of the bag. Like people know that gaming is um is a thing. Although I would say the focus on play-to-earn is is mistaken and they are better games that can be built that are not around play-to-earn, that are around money, because fundamentally you, you're transferring money around. But uh, it doesn't have to be basically like gamified Ponzi schemes. Um and Finance in general call it DeFi or finance on blockchain uh money legos uh, that's also very important uh, that's also a very important aspect It's probably one with the most proven product market fits um, in the industry so that's essentially what we've been focusing on um, there's a few others that but, but the thing is like everyone knows about them um, there's a few others which are of interest, but I don't think that it, the product market is not as good so to, to to some extent it's about like what not to focus on and there's a few things that a lot of people are excited about in the blockchain space that i think we can be strategic in skipping uh specifically anything that doesn't actually deal with asset transfers
1: thank you so much the next question again from ogui or oggy uh and the question reads could you please explain what etherlink is and um, what etherlink is really and how it will play an important role for Tezos.
2: So Etherlink is a Tezos Layer 2, and it's a Tezos Layer 2 that's 100% compatible with um, the Ethereum chain or EVM. So it means that when you use Etherlink, you can use it, you know, of course, with, uh, with MetaMask, you can use it with all the developer tools, you can use it with Solidity. So it's a drop-in replacement for, uh, for Ethereum, but it's built on top of Tezos. It has... Uh, an exciting roadmap. So, first of all, um, we're building a decentralized sequencer for it. Today, most sequencers are centralized. This is a decentralized sequencer. So you get um, the robustness of decentralization. We've seen, you know, the um, the Arbitrum sequencer goes down, but at the same time, very low latency. So we're talking about less than a second latency, uh, even though it's on top of Tezos, which itself has more than one second, obviously more than one second per block. So very low latency, really centralization. It's not controlled by a multi-sig, like virtually every single L2 out there on Ethereum. It's not, uh, It is. it has permissionless fraud proof. Anyone can come in and verify. So it's an actual Ethereum rollups that's not centralized and that provides best in class performance. I think it's quite useful because there are a lot of people who want to build in a ecosystem, but who also want the EVM compatibility for ease de- of development because perhaps they are using multiple chains. Uh, perhaps they already have developers who know Solidity, so there's you know there's there's value in doing that. Now at the same time, I recognize that there are about 20 alt EVM uh, solutions out there. You know you could be using an L1 like Avalanche, you could be doing Optimism, you could be doing Arbitrum. Uh, you could be using a lot of other solutions, but I would say that we can bring something that's both best in class and at the same time decentralized, which is not something that's being uh, that's being offered. We're also doing exciting research around MEV prevention and ensuring that when you use this roll uh, rollup, uh, you don't have the validators extracting money from you or selling your transactions to other parties who can take advantage of that, which is quite useful for for DeFi. So that's what EasyLink is, uh, and. Obviously, I we say easily is just one step. The goal is to build a big roll that will support mainstream programming languages, that will support Mikkelsen, that will support EVM, because at the end of the day, let me put it this way, EVM compatibility is important because there's been billions put into EVM tooling and it's just like very, very dominant. It's important to offer it. Doesn't mean it's better than Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen is, is a much better language for writing smart contracts if you have to pick. Uh, but the point is, grow this rollup and add more languages, Mikelson, EVM, mainstream programming languages of everything. So Isolink is um, a stepping uh, a step to that. But I will say, I, I would also say it can stand on its own as a product. And I would say, oh, well, you were also asking about an ETF for the data availability layer. Uh, the data availability layer at first is going to launch without incentives. So. Essentially, we rely on bakers actually downloading the data and not pretending that they download the data. Uh, and that I would say is expected in protocol P, the first half of uh, 2024. And incentives uh, would be probably in the second half of 2024 in protocol Q. Uh, this is subject to revisions, of course. Uh, right now, we are looking to accelerate a bit the development of Isalink. Um Initially, the idea was to launch a without a sequencer to basically just use the L1 as a sequencer, but the latency is really high. And what market research showed is that what a lot of people associate with L2s is not the low fees or anything like that. What they associate with L2s is a very low latency. That's like a part that's very important to them. It's, and that, that doesn't come from being an L2, that comes from having a sequencer. Um, so we realized it was important to launch that, but we also didn't want to have a centralized sequencer. So that's kicked off research in uh, decentralized sequencers.
1: All right, thank you. the The next question is from Get Real, who asks Arthur, "Why do you think the Tesla's community is so obsessed and vocal about the Tesla's Foundation? We don't see the same kind of obsession with the Ethereum, Ethereum Foundation and the Ethereum community. So why is this the case in Tesla's land?"
2: Uh, I'm so glad you're touching on this, and it's true, and it's uh, it's very, very, very unappreciated. And I have theories, but at the end of the day, you know, regardless of my theories, we are where we are. Um, yeah, you don't you you don't hear people like complain all that much about you know the Interchain Foundation, or Interchain a little bit, uh, or the Near Foundation, or the Ethereum Foundation, or any of these things. And uh, people will say, oh well, it's because people are dissatisfied with you know the uh, p- tra- traders are dissatisfied with the price of theirs, and that's why they talk about it. But no, because there's a bunch of other there's you know there's a bunch of other like projects who have like struggled in similar ways, and you don't hear as much. Um, I think it. I, I think it stems back from from 2017. Essentially, uh, the the crisis put the the Tezos Foundation in the front light, and there was at the time a need to organize a community against the Tezos Foundation because that was one way to um, to ask the psychopath who was uh, uh, who was like running the who was running the show. And unfortunately, I think you know it, it, the the culture stayed there. The culture of like we just have to fight TF, and it was instrumental at one point. It was very uh, important, but now it's just toxic and counterproductive. Which is not to say that which is not to say that you know like the the, the TF always does a uh, a good job. There's a lot of things which I think are broken inside the the Texas Foundation operations. Like I, there's a lot of room for improvements. You know don't don't, don't get me wrong. But I also think like, the amount of attention and the amount of hatred that it goes online is, is just um, is staggering. Uh, but yeah, part of it, I would say, is uh, part of it is a culture. Part of it is a transparency tax. I would say from the beginning, the Tezos Foundation wanted to put itself forward and say, look, with the Tezos Foundation, uh, there was the amount of money raised, I would say, in 2017, which like, put a lot of like, stars in people's eye. And there was a cadre of people who looked at the Tezos you know, project, not as a blockchain, but like as a grant program. Yeah. The, 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 first strategy of the foundation was say like, let's do nothing. Let's just give grants to people to do things. And that creates an entire ecosystem of people just vying for grants. And some, some, some grantees have been absolutely remarkable people who've done a great job, but there's been a lot of grift. Um, and it's, uh, it creates resentment like a lot of a lot of people like a formula that worked for a lot of people is get a bunch of money for the foundation and if you don't get your money you just go on social media and then you complain um that's been a very very common pattern and it's hard to deal with that in terms of comms because you don't want to throw people under the bus and say actually that's a crazy person who's asking us to pay their personal expenses or it's a crazy person who's you know send, sending like letters filled with um and threats you don't want to go out and say that, but at the same time, then, you know, you have like, well, you know, this person is telling us that the foundation is being an evil and not paying them. And the foundation is not saying anything. So what are we to believe? And it's tough. <clears throat> I think that's part, of the, um, that's part of the problem. All right. Thank you so much,
1: Arthur. And also, thank you for being here while, while you're ill. <laughs> The next, the next question is, or next four question is from Julian. Um, they're all sort of related, so I'll, I'll go off of them um, and list them all at once. So Julian asks, how can you explain the downtrend of contract calls and number of transactions on Tezos? Why is Tezos failing at retaining their users? What do you think can be done to concretely reverse these trends? And how do you feel looking at these charts?
2: Um, well. Let's see, one second. So I haven't looked. Uh, yeah, I've seen the chart that you're talking about, and uh, I do. I, I have to crunch the data. Uh, I think for a while there was a spike of user of uh, of plenty with the uh, with incentive. So sometimes it could just be like a farm has ended or or. Um, or something like that but uh, yeah generally speaking I would say there's been a bit of uh, there's been less activity in the uh, uh, in the, in a the ecosystem perhaps because it's been a time of, uh, of transformation a time of refocus uh, and that's um, that's part of it but in terms of reversing the trends, I think that the has to offer something that's not being offered by any other any other blockchain um, that's fundamentally what will what will what, what we'll do it like trying to um, trying to Trying to incentivize people to use a chain will not, you know, if it's not the best commercial uh, or technical uh, solution for them, will not work. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And the main, the, I, I would say the best thing that can be done is make sure that it is. Make sure that there's absolutely no better thing that you can use than Tezos today for your application and for your users.
1: Thank you, Arthur. The next question comes from GLBKST, who asks, what is Tezos 2.0 really about? There seems to already be support for LEGO JavaScript or Python contracts, so what's the plan difference? And are there current, are, and are the current Tezos tools on par with the EVM tools?
2: So yes, there's support for LEGO GS and SmartPy, but LEGO GS and SmartPy are not So, Lego.js has a syntax that's inspired by TypeScript, but it's not TypeScript. You can't drop in a TypeScript library and use it directly. Uh, Smartpy is closer to Python, but again, you can't just like take a Python module and drop it directly and use it. What we're talking about here is actual support for JavaScript and Python, which means you can use all of the tooling that goes around the languages, all of the libraries that goes around those languages. Um, Depending on the type of application that you do, it may or may not be the right choice for you. Uh, personally I prefer to use an, a, a minimalistic language with, uh, for security but so far the market demand has been uh, developer experience and developer convenience at the expense of almost anything yes. else so I would say and, and and part of that is because multi-sig are acceptable so in a world where no one wants to use a, a DAPs that is controlled by a multi-sig um, or in a world where you know you can't Legally operated app with a multi-sig, the security is super important because you're not going to be able to upgrade your contract. So you need to get it right, absolutely right on the first try. In a world where you just upgrade your contracts, essentially you can say, well, all I have to do is to scan my code and, and, and search for uh and search for exploits faster than the hackers will. And sometimes it'll work out and sometimes it won't, um, as we've seen. Uh, but you know, in, in 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 this instance, I would say mainstream programming languages are there's demand, uh, clear demand for them. Uh, are the current Tezos tool on par with EVM tools? Uh, yes, I would say so. But in some sense it's moot because pretty soon we'll be able to use all the EVM tools for developing on Tezos with Easy Link and then with Tezos 2.0 anyway.
1: Thank you. The the next question comes from GUI GUI. I'd like to know what Arthur thinks about Tezos DeFi. We're behind in user experience, particularly on Kupee Swap. I'm pronouncing that wrong. Colibri, uh, Cupiscop, Colibri, which are the most among the most used applications. There have been grants to build on Uniswap and V3 type decks, but in the end, the use remains very limited.
2: Um, yeah, I would say that this is a hard one to to answer. I think we need better DeFi. I mean, to, to put it another way, and we need more innovative DeFi. Uh essentially there's two types of DeFi project outside of the Tezos ecosystem. you know, outside of the Texas is you, know, you have the so-called copy-paste project, which takes Solidity code, copy it, and then run it somewhere else. Uh and that's very low effort, but it will give you some DeFi protocol, and then there's some farming around it or something like that. And then you have innovative DeFi, which is uh, much more rare. And in Tezos we have, well, you can't copy paste from EVM. So we have people who replicate the code of other things, so that takes development effort, but at the end of the day, it's missing the. Uh, it's missing a lot of. Uh, it's missing a lot of innovation. So, it provides a useful service. You know, if you need to be able to trade tokens on Tezos, you know, you have this infrastructure. Like you can actually uh, create loans, uh, but by tokens. You can actually trade them. You can actually do all of these things. So, it's possible. But what fundamentally Tezos Defi needs. Is more usage because with usage come fees, with fees come revenues, and with revenues comes the ability to finance more DeFi and more development. So that's the principal. Uh, that's the principal issue. But for I would say for Dezos to be com- competitive in DeFi, we would need to have more assets on the chain. So the paucity of assets that people might want to trade is uh, is part of the uh, is part of the issue. Better UX um, and um, Lower latency, I would say that's a, that that's a factor, and fun, and yes, liquidity is a liquidity is a factor, but I think liquidity comes last um, in a sense. Like if you don't, if you don't have a good user experience in the first place, and if you don't have the assets that people are interested in, in in trading, putting liquidity is you're going to create a lot of um, you're going to create a lot of impermanent loss essentially, and yes, yes, you will create some fees, but you're not necessarily going to uh, to create a thriving uh uh. A thriving uh, ecosystem like this. So I would start with the assets. I think that's the most important part uh, for 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 having successful DeFi.
1: Amazing. The next question comes from August Ground, who asks, Why doesn't the Tesla Foundation or Trilitech do any marketing or public outreach with any of the incredible artists on the chain, or do any incentives or reward artists who do all the heavy lifting of their PR?
2: Um, yeah, I think they should. Uh, I would say, like, part of the reason is uh, there hasn't been a marketing function, uh, a working marketing function, for nearly a year, uh, and so that's been uh, that, that's been part of the issue. But obviously, leveraging the amazing artist community we have around Tezos uh, for uh, around uh, around marketing and public uh, and, uh, and, and and public outreach is a great idea, and it's something that should be explored.
1: Amazing. Moving on. The next question is from Tesos Online, who has two questions. The first one is Who is leading the charge on marketing for Tesos going into 2024? The second one reads Where will Tesos make the most impact on people in the world?
2: Um, They are. There are small marketing functions in different places. So um, there's a bit of marketing and PR happening inside of Manic Labs. Uh, there's some happening in TZAPAC. There's a bigger marketing function that's currently being built inside of uh, of Trade Tech, who recently hired a CMO. And I think which is uh, focused on really driving marketing for uh, the Tazos blockchain in general uh, globally uh, in 2024. In terms of uh, where would Tazos make the most impact uh, on people in the world? I would I would go back to the fundamentals of, uh, of of blockchains. I think that the you know the 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 value is in censorship, resistant, uh, censorship resistance, censorship payments, censorship resistant transfers. Uh, that's uh, disintermediation. Those are the fundamental and key aspect of blockchains. And and there's the one that, that 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 will keep mattering. So I would say any um any use case that's that that's successful on this is going to be a little bit subversive. And, uh, and that's true of art. art. Art has always been a bit subversive. And uh, that's, um, that's probably where we'll see the, the, the impact, is in replacing existing institutions uh, and existing intermediaries with direct connections between people.
1: Amazing. Thank you. The next question, again, comes from GUI, who asks, what is the impact of liquidity baking on the exclusion price? Is someone monitoring this?
2: um well there's difference there you can't directly measure that um it's 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 a bit it, it, it's a bit difficult to uh to measure um there's one approach which you say, look uh fundamentally you are I I I I forgot what the what the rate of inflation around it is. Let's say it's like something around like half a percent or something like that per per uh per year. So it's a very low number and so one way to look at it is to say well, you know, you dilute the supply by half a percent. So all else equal, you know, in like a very classical economics framework, the impact should be 0.5%, which is uh quite uh, uh quite small all things considered. Um there's another approach which you say, no, no, no. It's based on flows basically because most people just, you know, like actually a, a very small fraction of the, uh, of the supply is actually traded. A lot of it just sits there. And as a result, the, 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 the selling pressure that comes from it is actually a, a larger proportion of the circulating float. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think you have um, like one way you could look at it um, is you could look at flows on exchanges on a given day saying like how much of a flow today was selling, how much of a flow today was buying. And you could look at days where like, it's not like news driven specifically. And then you could get some notion of like price sensitivity to flows and perhaps get an answer from this. My intuition, honestly, my intuition is very little, I would say like much, much, much smaller compared to the, uh, to the effect of like baking as a, uh, uh, as a whole, uh, but. Primarily, I would say the the the, the rational for liquidity baking was let's let's try to bring uh more liquidity between Tez and uh, and bitcoin on chain uh, and i think it does that uh, I would say that there's still um, there's still issues with the t z b t c asset which should probably be uh, uh i mean there's a couple of things that could be done like first. Uh, now that we have Uniswap V3 Dex, uh, replace the Dex with a Uniswap V3 Dex. This would be way more capital efficient. So you'd get more liquidity for the same dilution, or you could get like the same liquidity for less dilution. That would be one. Uh, another thing would be trying to get a better uh, a better bridge Bitcoin. Some people have suggested do, you know doing stable coins. Uh, the problem with stable coin is that you get way more um, like a dollar stable coin. You get way more. Um, Impermanent loss, so it actually costs you much. It, it costs you much more to get liquidity, whereas there's plenty of liquidity in uh, in, uh, in in the Bitcoin pair. Like you gain in convenience, so maybe there's just like more direct usage of it. But it, it depends if you think of it as like people are going to use this on chain. Is this is like a utility on chain that you use, or if you think of like this is a reservoir, and when people trade on exchanges, an arbitrage that happens with liquidity baking, and in some sense, it brings liquidity on the exchange by by an arbitrage relationship. And if you think of the latter then clearly the better pair asset is, is BTC. If you think of like the on-chain convenience, sure, like the stable coin makes more sense. Um, and then more on, on the camp of like the, 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 the latter, but it also came from like a, an reports that we had around liquidity in, uh, in 2021. And reflecting on it, I don't know like how much of these were like negotiation tactics as opposed to like real liquidity. Generally speaking, the liquidity for TES compared to other coins, like if you look at the, the, the volume traded compared to market cap compared to other coins, it's like it's lower. It's it's not much much it's not much, much lower. Um it is it it is lower. And if it were much, much lower, I I would be um I would consider that hey, maybe this is uh this is a big issue. The fact that it's only lower and not much, much lower, uh makes me more ambivalent. I know it's much lower though in um perpetuals. And I think part of that uh again part of that maybe be the fact maybe may the, the the fact that if you are if, if you have collateral for perpetual on some like on, on some um platform and it's not set up for delegation you basically like add five percent to your funding rates uh, that you're not recouping so that's that could be part of the yeah uh, that could be part of the problem
1: thank you the next question comes from malicious sheep who asks with the outreach investment targeted to male demographics and multiple IRL use cases slash integrations for TESLs available. How will the TESL foundation pivot to expand the target demographics to in, in, uh, include equity deserving groups in both advertising, but also in direct outreach and education?
2: Uh, yeah, generally speaking, I, I I forgot where the stats came from, but I, I think in terms of, uh, I mean, there's many ways to slice through, uh, uh, through different groups, but like, in you, you mentioned male and in terms of like um, male female demographics i would say i remember seeing that tezos was one of the one that was uh, that was most balanced obviously the crypto space is very very um uh, uh male centric male dominated um and it's it's less true for uh it's less true for Tezos. and we have initiatives in this space uh definitely with the uh, with the art vertical um there's a lot more people uh involved in art uh who are women uh and uh there's, um, and, and it, it has been a big part of our, uh, of our initiatives. So generally continuing in this direction. And um, we have a few initiatives uh, also just uh, to reach out to broader groups. But it raises an interesting question, which is to me, when you are, there's two ways to think about it. One is, um, look, we're, we're playing from behind. We have powerful incumbents who have a lot of users. And there's two ways you can have more users. You can take users from the incumbents, uh or you can bring new users into crypto the benefit of like new users into crypto is that you're not competing it's a green field essentially uh you don't have to convince them that you're better than Ethereum or all of it, all of this they're they're, they're 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 naive to crypto uh and you know they you give them the the, the the first experience they have a the best experience and they have a great um and and, and then they, they forge uh some some brand loyalty potentially the downside is that you know, if these people have not involved themselves in the space for, for many years, it means maybe they're like naturally less interested. And so the cost of user acquisition, like typically the cost of user acquisition, if you are uh, a challenger is lower when you take users for the incumbent and it's the incumbents who have a lot of money, a lot of power who say like, well, you know, how do I, how do I grow the pie? Uh, you know if you are let's say like Binance as a as, as an exchange, you know, your primary concern is not how much traffic is going to other exchanges, but like how do I get more people trading crypto in general. If you are a very small exchanges, like how do I get users from the other ones? So I, I think it's like a balance of those two strategies and seeing what works and iterating on that.
1: Amazing. Thank you. Next question comes from Moon6. And we have two questions from Moon Six. I'll start with the first one and then I'll ask the second one right afterwards. Okay. What is the status of the Google X Tezos partnership for bakers and startups annon- announced nine months ago?
2: Yeah, so um there's no Google Tezos partnership. There's a partnership between the Tezos Foundation and Google, or should I say alphabet? Um and essentially, it provides nodes for uh, uh, if you want to use Google Cloud and if you want to have access to those RPCs and services, that's something that's available to you. Uh, we also have uh, GCP credits uh, for people who want to use uh, Google Cloud for the Tezos application. Uh, there's more that uh, Google uh, should be doing. Uh, and we're pushing very hard for it to, uh, to happen. But it's been a very, uh, it's been unfortunately, a very slow process.
1: Thank you. The next question from Moon, Moon Six is: What is the status of the Get protocol integration to Tezos? Announced six months ago, Tezos was announced as a primary chain, the primary chain their ticketing system will run on.
2: Yeah, they're waiting for Etherlink, because essentially, you know, all, all their stuff is EVM, and so they they they, they deploy on link, But we, we haven't uh, we haven't shipped Etherlink yet. Thank you. We go back to Julian
1: with yet another question. Who asks? There was two weeks between the Nomadic Labs po- blog post, I'm assuming, about Oxford 2, and then th- uh, and the 10 second block interval. Why not include it into Oxford 2? Why do we have to wait another five months for the block time to be reduced?
2: Well, sadly, it's because we get rejected proposals sometimes. Um, the Oxford proposal was rejected, and so as a result, um, we really you know anything that we see can be potentially controversial. Uh, we have to, uh, we have to really, and I don't think it should be, but we really have to push, uh, to put, uh, to put forward. And so like the reason is to have a comment period to see if people are happy to move to a 10 second block time.
1: Amazing. Thank you. The next question comes from Lucky tukul I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he asks, she asks, What is your vision for the arts and gaming, and and what is your vision for the arts, culture, and gaming on Tezos?
2: Well, that's very uh, that's that's very broad. So I I would say like one of the things that unifies them a lot is collectibles. Um, Although I would say you know in the art and culture you'll have a lot of pure collectibles. In gaming you can uh, do things that aren't not aren't just aren't just collectibles. Like for example, you know one of the first. Use cases um, that Satoshi Nakamoto tried to build for uh, uh, for Bitcoin was poker playing. So you know, I would say it's a, it's it, it's a it's a game that makes sense. For example, on a on a blockchain, also many people have tried, and it's it hasn't been that successful. But uh, it just shows that you know there are proof of existence of non collectible strategies in the uh, in the gaming vertical. But broadly speaking, I would say that I, I personally enjoy collecting things and. With everything moving in the digital realm, there has been a joy of collecting that has disappeared specifically you, you know you mentioned culture, and I always go back to music because people love to collect music, and we've lost a lot of the physical media that we could collect and having digital media that can be collected and that can be meaningful token representation of you know a piece of uh, a piece of music, a piece of culture um, is uh, is super important, and it's a way also for. Artists to, uh, to potentially fund themselves. So yes, ideally, would I like to? I, I love to I'd rather live in a world where music artists could sell programmatic royalties to their song. There's a lot of uh, regulatory hurdles to that, but at least selling collectibles uh, in Patreon-like type of experience uh, is 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 something that I think we can see. And unlike and the culture space can touch hundreds of millions of users. So if there's like one Thing that could take blockchains beyond, you know, a few hundred thousand people farming a coin or uh, uh, or, or doing some type of uh, offering activities to something that's really very very big and very mainstream. I would say it's 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 uh, culture and digital collectibles. It's tough because you know people have a lot of uh, people have a lot of things to do. They have a lot of money to spend. Uh, to, uh, to they have a lot of uh, things to spend money on that are not uh, symbolic. Uh, digital representations, but nonetheless, I think there's a a there there. And it's also like, I I oftentimes think that things can be interesting when the criticism is bad and the criticism of the NFT space is often very bad because it it focuses on some of the excesses, some of the clear um, gambling applications without looking at the substance. And the fact that the substance is overlooked Tell me that it's interesting. Thank you for that, Arthur. Yet
1: another question from Julian, the last one. Can you please confirm if all members of the Tezos Foundation are working full-time? Which could explain why they are so silent. Many many have a feeling that the Tezos Foundation is not involved, slash not promoting Tezos as much as they should be.
2: So it depends what you mean by a member. Um, there are two types of people inside the Tezos Foundation. There's a council, and so the council has members. So I, I think maybe you're referring to the council, and then there's employees of the foundation in general. So as far as I can tell, all the employees of the foundation are full time, but a council is a council. It's you know it's similar to a board. So it's it's definitely not a full time position at all. The the board meets basically quarterly uh, to review the uh, to review activities. So you know typically when you have like a, a board or a council of foundation, they are tasked with like overseeing strategic direction and governance of the organization. Like. The, the 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 capacity and my, myself i am you know that, that's my capacity as a uh, as a board member it's a supervisory and advisory capacity so yes uh, like the council is going to make key decisions on policy strategy like financial matters but they're not managers they're not involved in the day to day operation of the organization and i'm glad you ask that because when i when i hear like why isn't the council like you know like active daily on twitter it's like that's p- because they're they're a board you know, so if you want to hear more for employees of the foundation, like, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, if you're an employee in a foundation, um, although I think it's, it, it's better to work, you know, like through community managers, because you don't want like necessarily people spending their, their lives on, um, on, uh, on Twitter answering questions. But like, this is not the board. The board is not a marketing agency for this foundation. The board is not an executive team. And that really needs to be understood. And I, and I feel like a lot of people don't, don't get that. And that's, that's true of any board anywhere.
1: Thank you, Arthur. Uh yet another question from Moon Six who asks, what are the advantages advantages of Ethereum layer twos or cosmos chains to use Tesos the Tesla DAL versus Celestia or near DALs?
2: Well, if and when the uh the DL ships, uh which I think is like twenty twenty-four, like I said, uh if there's a you know, like fundamentally you are selling a, a commodity, right? Largely, which is like block space. So how can you distinguish this commodity? Well, there's two things, one is security. You could, you could argue that you have better security in your dial design and the other one is cost. You could have more capacity in your dial design and as a result, the cost would be lower. I've, I've, I've seen some numbers and it seems like the cost of, uh, of Celestia is actually quite high. And part of that is because of their design where the validators have to download everything as opposed to sharding the, the data. So they shard the data for sampling, but they don't shard the data for the validators who store everything, uh, we do. The 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 is fully sharded, so potentially it would be cheaper. Uh, that would be the uh, that would be the that would be the main reason uh, to uh, to use it. All right, anyway, it's, Very often it's the main reason to use any product over uh, over another one. You know, especially like commodities. Like, why would you buy, you know, oil from like this this refinery this refinery versus this refinery? Well, you know, this one is cheaper. That's you know you're not like you're not selling handbags. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, thank you, Arthur. We have two more questions to go. The first one is from Get Real, who asks: Market cap is market cap ranking is rightfully or not the leading indicator for a blockchain success in this space? What does Tesla's leading the top seventy show us about the Tesla Foundation's mi- mission and how successful they are at fulfilling it? Why is more focus not pr- put on the price of the coin?
2: Sure. So l- l- let me split the question in uh, in, uh, in, in, in a couple of sec- in, in a couple seconds, because th- there's an assumption at the, at, at the beginning. One is like, how well is TF doing in general? Like how well is the business ecosystem doing? And the second thing is like, what to make of, uh, to make of the market cap ranking. So primarily I would say that this thing trades on sentiment and this thing trade on reflexivity, things get hyped and think- people get excited by the hype and things don't get hype and it's very very circular and there's no economic relationship between the success of a blockchain in terms of like adoption and all of these things and its market price there's none the one the one thing that people try to argue is that oh if people burn fees you know if if people use the chain a lot and burn a lot of fees then essentially you have some, sort of some form of deflation. And that creates demand for the token because people need the token to pay the fees to burn it. And that kind of like completes the economic loop. The flaw with that idea is that we've managed, you know, it made sense at a time where blockchains were very expensive, but we've managed to make blockchains to scale. The cost of transactions now is, is, is ridiculously low. It costs very little to do a million trans- TPS. And the demand in the space is also, Generally low, so the clearing price for transaction in the future is probably going to be very close to zero. So I doubt it can be a meaningful, uh, a meaningful driver of anything. You know, Bonk is not successful for is not you know Bonk is not successful because of like its fantastic roadmap or like user adoption or any of that. And you know, the, the meme peel is to realize that every coin is a meme coin. And yes, regulators will try to argue that no, 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 it depends on activity, but basically they are propagating a lie it It doesn't uh, maybe in people's heads sometimes it does, but there's no hard economic relationship between the two, and that's something that's very important to appreciate. Uh, but clearly not you know like clearly being completely out of people's mind and 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 being there is not a sign of success. it's 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 terrible and it's you know profoundly depressing uh, and in terms of like t s mission. Uh, there's many ways you could measure it besides uh you know, like uh besides the market cap, you could measure it in terms of like adoption and you could measure it in terms in many other things. And yes, I think you know it's remiss in its in in, in its mission. We've not been uh, we've not been doing well for the past uh for the for, for, for the past three years. However, uh there is one thing that's going that 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 we're doing better. I would say operations themselves have improved a lot. Operational efficiency, the ability to ship protocol upgrades. So a lot of the uh, ability to control budgets, a lot of the saying inside the foundation or the entities around them, um, they're not where I wish that they were, right? I, I think they still need a lot of improvement, but I also know that they've kept getting better and they've been getting better year after year after year. Uh, and it started from a very low place uh, in 20 uh, in 2021. So I, I still think there's a lot, there's still a lot to do to improve them. There's still a lot to do to improve uh, the technology behind Tezos. Uh, so, no, I would you know like to, to talk about like TF's mission and success. I I, I don't think that um, broadly TF has been successful in its mission over the past few years. But it is getting better. The entities around it are getting better. Uh, I have no idea whether or not that has an impact on uh, on market cap. The third thing is like why not more focus on the price of the coin because you focus on the things which are actionable. It's not like you can change this by decreases. No action that. You can tag that would actually have uh, that, that actually have an impact. The things you can control, and again, there's no economic links. The things you can the things you can potentially impact is perception of the, of the chain, like how many people know about it. The things you can potentially impact are uh, how many people are are using it. You know, like how good it is. Like those are things which 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 can be um, executed upon, and execution needs to be much much better. But it is getting better. However, it, it does not necessarily, you know, I, I want to make this clear it does not necessarily translate into, uh, into tra- you know, into like price momentum or, or, or any of these things. And that's, you know, that's the reality of the space.
1: Thank you so much, Arthur. One last question and then we'll wrap this up. From Malicious Sheep who asks, what currently is the greatest existential risk uh, existential and or legal threat to the tehsssel chain, and in what ways can the community assist in educating about limiting risk to that threat? What jurisdictions or institutions should the community keep their efforts focused on?
2: I'm so glad someone is asking this because sometimes a good question and it feels like people are it feels like there's no awareness at all of this, and I understand because I, I seeped into it for, for for years, but it's such. It's such an important part of the space that I'm that, that I'm all that I'm always a little surprised when it's just um, when, when people are not aware of it. Um, so thank thank you for, for asking that. In terms of like you know, the basically essential threat is that you know obviously regulators around the world are are trying to like put different regulatory regimes on this, but most of them are, are livable. But you know, in the United States, they are trying to to ban cryptocurrencies. And they're not trying not, not just trying to pass legislation to ban cryptocurrencies because you can react to legislation. They're trying to make bad face arguments in court that somehow they've always been illegal, like based on laws written at the beginning of the 20th century. No, 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 that, that somehow apply. And these are very sketchy legal arguments. And you know, some of them have started to lose in court. But it's still a massive, it's still a massive risk that looms around the space that, you know, if the Supreme Court gets it wrong, uh, it's it's a massive risk for for the space. And, you know, the United States considers that it has jurisdiction beyond its border. It considers that anyone who's ever been in a McDonald's has a U.S. nexus, essentially. So I would say familiarize yourself with the stance of U.S. regulators, like specifically the SEC. They put out a... Um, so, and, you know, things got also much worse in 2021. Before Before 2021, they were... Trying to put together frameworks, and there was a framework published for digital assets, which doesn't have the force of law. It's their opinions. Uh, it's about 40 pages, but I highly recommend reading it. And and since then, they've kind of moved away from this, and they and and, and they've basically, you know, like said like, you know, anything that moves into security. But if you go back to like the the the, the previous position that the, the agency had like a few years ago, uh, it's 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 remarkable how. It's it's remarkable that, that there is not more awareness of uh, of this and, and how much it affects almost everything in the industry.
1: All right, thank you so much, Arthur. That's all of the questions we had. Do you have any closing words for, for the audience or the people who are listening back to this?
2: Do I have questions for the audience?
1: Uh, no, if you have any closing words, anything you want to, oh. to let the people know. The mic is yours.
2: Well, I mean, uh i'm 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 quite excited for 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 what's going to ship in 2024 and i i made this i, I you know i gave this message before and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say it again adoption is important but if you really want to drive adoption you, you need to drive it by having an amazing product and i like this as a product it has a lot going for it it has a lot that a lot of other chains don't have and it has a soul and it has a lot of uh, a lot of benefits but that's but that's not enough i it needs to be the absolute best, and we can get there that's what I'm very excited about I'm very excited about getting there and I think it's a lot easier when you have the best product on the market to get a ton more uh, to get a ton more adoption. It's a much easier when you can onboard any developer anywhere on your platform when they have very low latency when they're paying almost no fees. That's a very strong value prop, and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't dismiss that uh it's true that some people have managed to make it work without it. So Polygon, for example, uh, with really bad technology, has you know did, did manage to get a lot of traction in, uh, in 20, uh, in 2021. But they had like a giant treasury and they threw a lot of money at pay play, and a lot of these people now are leaving Polygon. So they kind of like try to pivot by building real technology, but it's been a bit of a uh, it's been a bit of a difficult pivot for them. So I would say there's there's so much that's coming, and and there's so much also that's let me put it this way. Beyond all of the issues that I've discussed, there, there's two things. One is like, yeah, we do we do need more operational efficiency in entities and in in Tezos the, the Foundation. and yes, uh, we do need I would say stronger a stronger technological offering. But even beyond that, like the 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 the, the delta between the perception of Tezos and where and where it's actually at in terms of adoption in terms of technology is gigantic you know the fact that we probably have the best robot technology out there it's not enough but like we still have the best robot technology out there and that people have no idea is still a very very big gap so i'm excited about closing that gap i'm excited about being able to to convey that to people to 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 convey the the, the existing offering already um, because that's that's just completely um, that's just completely overlooked. It's um, people don't talk about uh, people don't talk about Tezos. People kind of forgot about Tezos, and I think we can remind them of that. And there's a lot there's um there's a lot of uh, low hanging fruits here.
1: There definitely is. Thank you so much for that, Arthur. You certainly made me and uh, likely a lot of audience members even more excited for what's to come in twenty twenty four. A huge thank you to you for for coming out and and doing this, even though you're ill uh, and been coughing a bit throughout the space. Um, Thank you so much for that and thanks to everybody in the audience who's been listening to this and to the people listening back if you Joined midway through um, Don't worry. This space will be available to listen back to on Twitter and it will also be uploaded on YouTube and it will be all over social media in just a little in a few days or hopefully today if we can turn around it this fast, but thanks again Arthur And thanks to everybody who came and listened to this. This was great Thank you very much Bye everyone
0: There's this principle in like Dao there's this principle in like Daoism where it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of what you want like just inevitably kinda of starts to happen. There's this principle in like taoism da, 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 Dao, where it's Daoism where No more humility, futility, plus size Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal Which side the line you beating out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking Westside shit, needle and noose Sticking with my armory Yam, Beto and Bruce Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM GFM Is it really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? worth all the drama? And the answer, I think is a no. We started using Zoom, now we finna Zoom out, teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about. Little baby bitches when they choose to have bits, all you left with is kibble when you lose all them bits. And that kibble's just sawdust, The shit is all rust. Not a great look, you're what we'd call all nuts. And I for one did not see that coming. Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile, over here, rewiring features More critical thinking, huh? less knee-jerk More evolution, less shitcoin coin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean, please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rat fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bringing receipts GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my plea to you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say like, is it, really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might it cost, cost us a lot more than, more than, than what can be you gained, gained by like fighting this to the bitter end. And sometimes it's better to just like, move on. Tempest spaces.